0: Today is the 26th of December, known by many across Ireland as Law on Droline, the Day of the Wren. The Wren, oh the Wren, he's the king of all birds on St Stephen's Day, he got caught in the fur. So it's up with the kettle and it's down with the pan, won't you give us a penny for to bury the wren? The tradition of hunting the Wren, or the Wren, as it is often pronounced in connection with this aspect of our folklore, a tiny, skulking brown songbird, Dates back centuries and is one that is still practised in parts of Ireland to this very day. Most notably in the picturesque town of Dingle in County Kerry, on the rugged Atlantic coast in the southwest of our island. Oh the wren, oh the wren, he's the king of all birds, and since Stephen's Day he got caught in the fur. So it's up with the kettle and it's down with the pan. Won't you give us a penny for to bury the ran? Thankfully, nowadays, the killing of the unfortunate bird itself is a thing of the past.
1: My name is Eva Granville, and I'm from Dingle. I grew up in Dingle on John Street, and I would say that I'm definitely obsessed with the ran.
0: Dr Aoife Granville of the Department of Folklore and Ethnology at University College Cork based her PhD thesis on the hunting of the ran in Ireland.
1: Well, I guess I looked at the tradition itself and I suppose in particular why it survived in Dingle. The the ran tradition was something that was really, really commonplace throughout Ireland. It's also, and it still survives in the Isle of Man, we've, the Hunting the Wren in Newfoundland, and there's kind of similar festivals in Europe as well, around midwinter. you know, that sort of, even in that 12 days of Christmas period. For various reasons, in the 20th century, it died out in most of the country. There are places in West Limerick, Kerry, that it's always remained strong, and Dingle, it actually started to thrive, I would say, when started dying out in other places so i guess when i was studying i was kind of looking at that what was the obsession or what Mm. was the commitment to it in dingle compared to other places
0: and why dingle because you said in the past that it's part of your dingle-ness yeah what did you mean by that and why has it thrived in dingle
1: well it's definitely part of our identity Like there's a lot of festivals through the year in Dingle where they'd be marketed for tourists and all of that, which is fantastic and they're wonderful festivals. But the RAN is more, I guess, about us. We don't really mind if no one comes to it, so it's kind of for us, I guess. One of the most important things is that there's a huge connection to our ancestors and those that kept it going. I think we're all very aware that there were hard times over the years where the tradition would have been, you know, there mightn't have been as many people on the streets parading. Um, just over a hundred years ago, everyone was warned not to go out in the tradition by the Black and tans Former neighbours of mine, the Foley Brothers on John Street, went out to ensure that the tradition wouldn't be broken. And they were arrested and stuff. And we have this mantra, we never died a winter yet and the devil himself wouldn't kill us in the summer.
0: But where exactly did this tradition of hunting the wren come from? The wren has developed something of a reputation for sneakiness, even cheating, and in many cultures has traditionally been viewed with suspicion. Presumably this came about as a consequence of its furtive, some might say, clandestine behaviour. Common though the wren is, and as we shall hear, It happens to be one of the most numerous birds of all in Ireland and across much of Europe. It is still a difficult creature to spot, rarely allowing more than brief glimpses as it dashes through the woodland undergrowth or flits between hedgerows. One long-standing folk story maintains that it was the loud-voiced treacherous wren that betrayed the future Saint Stephen by calling to reveal his hiding place to his persecutors in 1st century Judea, resulting in his stoning to death as the first Christian martyr. No wonder, therefore, that this diminutive bird became so intimately associated with the saint's feast day. Another Irish story about the wren's capacity for betrayal dates back to 750 AD, during the time of Viking raids. On the day after Christmas, as Irish soldiers marched towards a Viking encampment, the Norsemen were alerted to their approach due to the noise made by a wren, which was eating crumbs from the surface of a drum. But it is yet another Irish folk story showcasing the apparently untrustworthy, self-serving nature of the wren that is even better known today. Ornithologist and author Eric Dempsey.
2: Just thinking about... The ran boys. You know, the ran, the ran, the king of all birds. On Saint Stephen's day, he got caught on the furs. Up went the kettle and down went the pan. A penny or twopence to bury the ran. That, of course, comes from the old fable of the the king of all birds, climbing on top of a golden eagle's back. And it was decided to try and figure out who was the king of all birds. And it was decided among the birds of the world that the bird that flew the highest would become king and of course the wren being tiny, it is a tiny little thing with rufous coloured wings, perfect for camouflage, little bars on its wings and a little stubby tail, it climbed onto the golden eagle's back. So when all the birds entered this competition the golden eagle flew the highest and he was about to be proclaimed the king of all birds until the little wren emerged from his back feathers and flew above the Golden Eagle. So he was proclaimed king. But when he came back down to earth, the birds felt, oh, this is a bit of a cheat. <laughs> this isn't the right way. This isn't the order of things. So they wanted to kill the little ran. So he went into hiding. And that's where the legend comes from. The ran, the ran, the king of all birds. Because when the ran boys used to visit in the countryside from house to house, it was a gruesome addition to their costumes and it was a dead wren. They used to hunt a wren. Up went the kettle, dunk, down went the pan. A penny or twopence to bury the wren. They would kill the wren, and they would come and sing and dance, but they would hold a wren on a branch of holly or on a, on a pole to show that the wren had been killed. And so the natural order of the world was maintained. And if you were very generous to the wren boys, and you gave them, extra money or treated them very well, they'd bury the wren opposite your house to give your house a year of good luck. Now thankfully today the wren boys don't kill wrens because wrens are a protected species. They are fully protected and they are now a symbol of the rich biodiversity that we have in Ireland. In fact people welcome the wrens into their gardens.
0: Wrens are truly tiny, the second smallest breeding bird in Ireland, just behind the goldcrest. They measure nine to ten centimetres or so from the tip of their fine-pointed beak to the tip of their stubby, cocked tail, and weigh a mere nine grams, or roughly the same as a two-euro coin. And they are tougher than might at first appear, not only surviving but positively thriving in the Irish climate. Wrens have evolved remarkable adaptations to help them cope with Irish weather, not least their habit of roosting, or sleeping in large groups. These communal roosts, as they are known, allow for the sharing of body heat and increased protection from the elements.
2: This is the perfect location to find wrens. We have deep undergrowth, we have a bit of holly there behind us, we have a lot of hedges here, and this is the classic habitat of wrens they're so small they can just move silently and quickly unseen through these sort of avian corridors of of hedgerows i call them avian motorways it's how birds move from one area to another and when it really plummets the temperature plummets it's it's tough but these birds have a a lovely down feathers if you ever see a, a wren in winter and it's cold they have this lovely fluffed up feathers and that is like a duvet of feathers which keep them warm and they will look for little holes we've you know if you look at some of the older trees here derek you'll see holes where they actually will go in and they will roost Hmm. and sometimes they will roost in little groups now i've seen about four or five going into a nest box here but apparently the record for one nest box was 63 wow 63 wrens, tiny tiny little things and you know in my mind's eye I have this little vision of a ball (laughs) of fluffy feathered little wrens all tucked in asleep together keeping each other warm Mm. and that's a, a brilliant adaptation because it allows them to survive a long cold cold winter's night and even their latin name troglodytes troglodytes it captures how they nest. They, they build a little domed nest with one entrance hole and it's covered by lichen and inside they line it with fur or feathers and grasses. And troglodytes, troglodytes means cave dweller. So even when they're nesting, they're nesting inside a hole. So in nighttime they will go into a place that was covered and, and sheltered from the elements and during the breeding season they do the exact same thing.
0: When you are as minuscule as a wren, staying alive during the ravages of winter is a tricky business, especially when you are dependent on a steady diet of insects. But it seems that wrens are born survivors, able to cope better with cold winter weather than most other creatures their size. They are incredibly successful birds, with data from various sources, including Birdwatch Ireland's Long-Running Countryside Bird Survey and Irish Garden Bird Survey indicating that the wren is Ireland's most numerous bird species, giving us humans a run for our money in the population stakes.
3: Many years ago, we did at the beginning of the Countryside Bird Survey, which is led by Birdwatch Ireland, a volunteer programme which monitors all our populations of birds and has done so for 25 years. And Dick Coombs and I, he was studying here at the time, he wanted to see how you detect and count wrens properly because... They're not easy to see. And listeners today will probably, when they go out, they say, I don't see wrens, but I can hear them. Mm-hmm. So Birdwatch Ireland, and, and I had the privilege of working with all these volunteers for 25 years. I've just concluded chairing the CBS, the Countryside Bird Survey for Birdwatch, and it's been a huge privilege of working. First of all, I had the privilege of designing that programme uh, together with many others back way back 25 years ago. Kilkenny, I still remember to this day in the late life Hutchinson was with us and we designed this programme of how we collect bird data systematically because many of our listeners, including myself, do a lot of bird watching. Mm. But this is not bird watching. This is about systematically and rigorously collecting data so that we can estimate the number of species and the number of actual birds in the country.
0: The most recent scientific study which generated population estimates for Ireland's most common and widespread breeding bird species, authored by Olivia Crowe, formerly of Birdwatch Ireland, Andy J. Musgrove of the British Trust for Ornithology and Professor John O'Halloran, President of University College Cork, was published in 2014. The paper revealed that of the 51 bird species included in the analysis and totaling more than 62 million individuals, the wren was the most numerous, with an estimated Irish population of over 6 million. Putting it another way, wrens made up 10% of the total number of birds recorded. John O'Halloran. So when
3: you start counting all of these birds up, you're going to end up with a lot of numbers. And it might surprise you that there are more wrens than people in Ireland. And at that time, we estimated there were 6 million wrens in Ireland. Out of 51 species, 10% of all of the birds in Ireland are wrens. So just to say, more wrens than people. Remarkable. It'll be interesting to see what the numbers will look like in the next couple of years for this very common and widespread bird, the wren.
0: Work is due to begin shortly on the next Bird Atlas, covering Ireland and Britain, which will provide updated population estimates and distribution maps for our various breeding and wintering bird species. Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland
4: regular bird surveys are really important um, Mm -hmm. because it's really vital that we keep track of the populations particularly of our common birds like the wren one of our most common birds of all because it's with those that you can tell actually more quickly the changes that are happening in our environment people often think that organisations like Birdwatch Ireland will be most concerned with tracking rare birds and of course we do do that but you can actually tell a lot more a lot quicker when it comes to tracking the common birds which is why surveys like our Countryside Bird Survey our annual Irish Garden Bird Survey why they're so important and why mobilising the power of the citizens, citizen science, is so important too because there's no way we could collect that data without the help of so many thousands of volunteers all across the country. And thanks to them that we know how birds like the wren are doing in Ireland. So hats off to them.
0: It's science, but is it exact science? Well,
4: it, it certainly is science. Um, how exact or not it is, well, it, what it really is, it's about spotting trends. So we couldn't say that we know exactly the number of wrens in Ireland to the individual. What we can say, however, is that we can track the fluctuations in their populations. So if we see a certain percentage of gardens reporting wrens each year, and then for some reason one winter it drops by a few percent or it increases by a few percent. That tells us a lot. We can be sure that something has happened to the population levels. The other thing that um, it's hard to gauge through surveys is how the young birds are doing in their first year. So the countryside bird server, we count usually singing individuals because with the wren you pick them up more by by sound than by sight. I think the statistic is that for for every wren that one of the surveyors actually sees when they're doing that survey, there's another 19 that remain heard only. So if you only go by what you see, you're only recording 5% of them. So that might be one of the reasons why people don't fully understand why wrens are so common in Ireland. Because they're skulking, they hide away, they're very camouflaged. If you don't know the sounds they make, then you really underestimate just how prevalent they are. And from that we know that there would be roughly 6 million wrens in Ireland each summer but that's not counting all the juveniles that join them in the population. So if they have a good breeding season there could be another you know, five, six, seven million wrens in that population as well. Now the sad fact is most of them won't survive to see their first birthday. Life is tough for small birds. It really is survival of the fittest and when it comes to, to the wren, life is tough. It's rare that they live for more than a year or two if they do reach adulthood. Their lives are compressed into a very short space. When you're an insect eating bird that's so small that you can't migrate you're really stuck with the mercies i suppose of the weather here in ireland so a cold winter can kill off probably the majority of our wrens but that's the reason they have so many babies because the following year they'll bounce back within one generation so it really is a very resilient species and one that does
5: well and we know that thanks to the power of citizen science I mean, I like the songs of all the birds. It's like all the instruments in the in the uh, orchestra. It's like even the types of birds. When people ask me, what's your favourite? It's whatever one I'm looking at or listening to. And there's a place for all of them. But when you see one on, on the top of a bush with that stiff little tail almost touching the back of its head and this lovely mechanical movement as it projects that amazing song and the syllables, syllables like syllables in words that we speak, some of them last milliseconds. Apparently they can lash out like thousands of syllables of sound, not just one continuous sound, because, of, because of, the, of, of the syrinx. And it's just constantly changing. But the bottom line for all these wrens is volume and just getting that message out there. Basically, this is my, my territory, this is my patch. And they've got the best instrument to do that. The sheer volume of the wren's song
0: is all the more remarkable given the size of the bird. Remember, it is Ireland's second smallest bird species, yet that powerful song has been measured at in excess of 90 decibels. This means that it has one of the loudest voices compared to its weight in the entire natural world. In terms of decibels per gram, it takes some beating. Ornithologist, author and
5: dawn chorus aficionado, Jim Wilson. Well Derek, you remember during the dawn chorus, Mm -hmm. the loudest of the choristers was the wren. Indeed. I mean, and that's a surprise to a lot of people because it's so small. We often think loud means big, whereas for a lot of birds, small means big. And people have often asked, you know, how do they actually make that sound? How does that huge sound come out of that tiny little ball of feathers? (laughs) And, and, And you're kind of going, yeah, it is amazing. But the trick for birds is their windpipe network is not wired like ours is. We've got a larynx, which is at the top of our windpipe, our trachea. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, we only use about 2-3% to of our exhaled air to generate our voice. Whereas birds, what they've done is they've developed a thing called a syrinx and that's not at the top of the windpipe, it's right down where, if you, if you remember your secondary school biology the lungs come down the windpipe and then it splits in two which are two bronchi, a bronchus to the left and a bronchus to the right and that goes into the lungs and basically this syrinx sits at that junction it's like a wishbone shape and, and it's right at the junction and so it can take air from both sides And it means it can generate more than one sound at one time, but not only that, it's got the full power of all the air passing through this narrow little chamber, which actually is often described like a drum, and that like when the air passes through it, it resonates and and it creates the noise, and then the bird, depending on how many sets of muscles that surround this little box... Mm they're able to pull and stretch and drag and loosen it and make all these amazing high-pitched and low-pitched sounds. For example, the, the, the cormorants, which a lot of people know, or those type of birds, they've only got one set of muscles controlling it, and so the, the sound is real. That's, a, that's as much as they can do. Whereas if you listen to the wren, it's belting out all sorts of notes at a ferocious speed, and everything is changing all the time. And it's able to do all that because it's got five or six sets of muscles pulling and dragging these little membranes as the air rushes past them. And then, because it's at the bottom, the rest of it, and its its mouth and everything, acts like, you know, remember the old silent movies and the director, he had a big huge look like a big cone. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that was a megaphone. <laughs> that was the old-style megaphone, and that's exactly what the rest of the system then is like. And the when you think of the wren, relative to his body side, it's got this massive mouth, and then you've got this amazing syrinx. It's voice box down below and it's belting out this sound at a phenomenal volume. I'm paraphrasing a a thing I've read not too long ago about this. During evolution and up to now, humans have ended up with the equivalent of a flute. Mm -hmm. Whereas birds like the wren ended up with a set of bagpipes. (laughs) You know, the bagpipe player has that big sack of air to make that loud noise that bagpipes make. If you're ever standing near a set of bagpipes, they're, they're quite loud. And that's exactly how the Wren works. It's got far more air and it's brought the sound generating mechanism, the syrinx, right down to where it can make maximum use of all that air.
0: The average lifespan of a Wren is very short. Individuals seldom survive for more than a year or two. So if their genes are to live on in the next generation, they don't have much of an opportunity to get it right. UK-based author and naturalist Stephen Moss has written numerous books about birds and their behaviour. One of his most popular, published in 2018, is entitled The Wren, A Biography.
6: The Wren was the second book in the series. So I started with the robin and I did it as Britain's favourite bird because, of course, um, my old friend David Lindo, the urban birder, had had a national survey. Over a quarter of a million people took part and the robin came out ahead by miles. So having done that, and that book sold really well, not surprisingly, in the first Christmas it was out, and the publisher's penguin came back to me and said, what would you like to do next? And it took me quite a while to persuade them to do the wren because they said, well, no one ever sees wrens. They're not very common. I said, they're the commonest bird in Britain and Ireland. And therefore... It would make a really good book. And again, I would talk to people. People would say, what are you working on at the moment? i oh, I'm writing a biography of the wren. And they'd say, well, I never see a wren. And I'd play them the sound, as you mentioned, the loud sound. And they'd say, oh, yeah, I've got that in my garden.
0: One of the key ways that wrens cope with the demands of their rapidly ticking biological clocks comes from the species' nesting strategy. During the breeding season, wrens like to keep their options open.
6: Wrens are interesting because they live two or three years once they get... I mean, most birds, I'm afraid, most small birds die before they get to their first birthday. But the ones that survive live perhaps two or three years, and that's pretty common. Robins are the same, wrens, etc. So there's a real race against time to reproduce, and wrens have this bizarre thing, whereas robins, um, the male and female, will build the nest and they will incubate the eggs and then feed the chicks and they both share the the duties, if you like. The wren does something very odd. The male will go around and build about six nests called cock's nests and he will lure the female, his, his potential mate, around and she will take a look at them and sort of be quite fussy and eventually she will choose one of them which she thinks is the one perhaps nearest the food supply or perhaps in the safest place so predators won't see it. And once she has settled in and laid the eggs, that's it. He goes off and mates with another female and does the same thing. He doesn't incubate the eggs, he doesn't feed the young. So he's a sort of good dad at the start and then it all goes downhill.
0: And wrens have another unexpected secret. Unlike the vast majority of our songbirds here in Ireland, whose ancestors evolved in Europe, Asia or Africa, surprisingly, it turns out that the wren has new world origins
6: it is found right the way across the whole, really, of the northern hemisphere of the Old World. Yet it didn't come from there. So the fascinating thing about Wrens is people say the wren as if there's one species because, of course, with other birds like thrushes or, or sparrows or finches, we're very aware there's five, six, seven species perhaps in, you know. The wren, there's just the one. That's because there are around 90 other species and they're all in the Americas, and that's where the wren evolved. So it came across what would have been the Bering Strait, except it was a land bridge at that time, two and a half million years ago, And, as you say, they don't travel very much. They have very short stubby wings. So they very gradually moved across Asia and Europe, filling a niche that no other bird was in. I was recently in Ecuador and before that in Panama, and I saw probably half a dozen different species of wren, and they all not quite compete with each other, but they have to fill very specific niches. Our wren is amazing. They live everywhere. They live on heath foreland and offshore islands and coastal areas on farms and in woods and gardens. So that's why they're so successful.
0: Small and shy the wren might be, but nobody truly familiar with its habits could ever describe it as boring. It packs more character, survival ability and capacity to surprise into its tiny frame than most birds many times its size. Boasting one of the most remarkable songs of any Irish bird with unexpected origins in a far-flung continent and adaptations to life in cold climates that would be the envy of most other insect-eating birds. Its diminutive stature belies its reputation and abilities. First impressions can be misleading. Somehow, one of our smallest, most unassuming birds has become one of our most successful. Eric Dempsey. If, if you
2: do see Iran, particularly on St Stephen's Day, Take, take a moment and pause and have a little look. Look at that little, tiny little bird that struggles each year to survive the winter. A long winter's night and there it is, scurrying around maybe your back garden or along a hedgerow. And think about the struggle that bird has. Think about how small it is. Think about how hardy it is. And pause for a moment and pay homage to the king of all birds. The Wren, oh, the Wren, he's the king of all birds. On St. Stephen's Day, he got caught in the furze. So it's up with the
1: kettle and it's down with the pan. Won't you give us a penny for to bury the ram? <laughs> 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 Thank you, Derek. Well, more festive features can be found in Mooney's box of docs. Just log on to rte.ie forward slash Mooney. And there's another treat in store for nature lovers next Saturday morning at 8am, that's the 30th of December, when Mooney team biologist Terry Flanagan explores the world of pigeons. Email mooney at rte.ie.